0: Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops podcast, with a podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. So, I need to welcome you to another episode of the Culture Operations uh, podcast, and you know, we've started to see over the last couple of weeks that the dust has started to settle on the government's coronavirus job retention scheme. And we wanted to take a bit of an in-depth look and an honest look at one of the kind of core aspects of that that I know a lot of businesses have been going through and having to implement on on their side, which is the process of furlough. Um, and so I want to start really by thanking uh lewis tasker coo at just park for coming on the show today to discuss just that and the process that, that they went through at just park hi lewis how you doing
1: yeah good thank you it's been it's been a busy few weeks but uh yeah we've come out come out the other side pretty pretty strong i think yeah
0: yeah nice and so before we um before we get into i guess the topic for today which is how do you furlough your team and do it well? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Where do you come from? And uh, tell us what Just Park does.
1: Okay, cool. So um, I'm CEO at Just Park, but my background is in HR management and has been for, well, gosh, I guess since I left university, um, which has actually helped quite a lot over the last few weeks in terms of the process we've had to go through in terms of furlough and some other bits and pieces we've had to do um, so and again I think we'll probably come on to this later on I'm talking about the process but um, I'm used to running uh, from time working at Samsung and working at big companies like Ricoh um, I'm used to running big change projects like redundancies perhaps or looking at change in terms and conditions or changing pension schemes where you have to consult uh, with big bodies of people and go through that big consultation process and um, so, uh, I'm used to that in terms of the process and what to follow. What I'm not used to doing is having to turn it around in three or four days. So that that, that was quite an interesting challenge for us. Um, but I've been at Just Park for about two years now. Just Park is essentially a digital marketplace for spaces and drivers. And we digitize the parking experience. So we have um, a number of spaces on our app that are available to book, uh, to pre-book for people. Um, and those can be spaces where people rent out their driveways We also have quite a lot of commercial car parks on our app and a lot of local authority spaces where the local council lists their spaces on our app as well. um, We act as a payment provider. So essentially um, a digital parking company. And as you can imagine, uh, our revenues recently have taken a bit of a downturn as as the lockdown has come in.
0: Yeah, I, you know, in a, in a scenario where people are driving around and moving around less, uh, obviously, and there's a there's less of a demand and and need for for parking. And so, I guess where I wanted to start is how how far out did you kind of see that coming? Was it something that as soon as the lockdown happened, you were like, okay, this is obviously going to affect us in a big way, or had you and the kind of leadership team uh, been having conversations around? we need to start to think about what our strategies are in terms of how we can protect ourselves as a business in the long run.
1: Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so initially, when this all started to, uh, started to bloom over in China in January, we were watching that quite carefully and also studying what was happening um, with all the data we could get in terms of people's driving habits over there. Um, but we weren't quite sure to what extent it was going to come over to Europe. So it was more of an intellectual Uh, exercise rather than anything. And I think we really started to take it seriously. This was back in February when um, Italy and Iran started to see things uh, going quite bad. And at that point is when we started to think, okay, we need to start some planning now about what happens in the future. Um, Again, uh, being a parking company, it was obvious that that was going to take a very big hit in terms of our revenue if lockdown did occur. So. We went through quite a strict process of um, understanding exactly what we needed to do to respond to this um, and I think it's really important the decision-making process we went through and the structure that we went through with that and being very strict really helped us to get to the right decisions on there so the, the first thing we did was model out what we thought the impact would be on our revenue on there and we did various different models, 60% revenue hit, 80% revenue hit, 90% for various different times as well. And and all of them were bad, so in, in all cases, uh, the outlook for Just Park wasn't good. So we, we looked at exactly what that meant in terms of our cash flow, and what that would mean in terms of our runway as well. So being a scale of business, uh, cash in the business and runway is very important to us. Uh, we were very, very lucky that we'd just gone out and done some fundraising a few months prior to this. So we did have um, a decent amount of money in the bank, but of course we didn't want to just keep burning through that money month by month. We needed to take some action in terms of making sure that runway uh, was was as long as it could be. We were in the position before this that we had an infinite runway, so we wouldn't need to go and raise again. That was a perfect position for us. And then uh, we ran these different models and we settled eventually on a model that said 80% revenue drop over the next three months, followed by a 50% revenue drop three months after that. That seemed like the most logical one in terms of the numbers that we were seeing. So we we ran the model based on those assumptions, and that obviously reduced our runway significantly. And we said to ourselves, we need to come up with a minimum viable runway um, for us after this. because. Um, It's going to be very difficult in terms of fundraising. The market in terms of fundraising is going to be very unknown. We need to give ourselves as much runway as we can. So um, we ran uh, ran those models um, Mm. and had a minimum viable runway in there and then started to work backwards in terms of what does that mean in terms of costs that we need to remove from the business in the next six months in order for us to get to that runway level again. And then we went through a very strict process about looking at non-headcount costs that we could remove. So the first thing we looked at was anything to do with non headcount So could we renegotiate some of our leases? What are some of the subscriptions that we can cancel or defer? Can we renegotiate some payment terms on certain things? And the whole management team came together really well actually. And we went through a week of going through, literally going through our cost lines one by one, which was actually quite an interesting process to go through. Um, and starting to challenge each other on actually, what, why are these costs in here, and why are we using these different things? And it was quite a nice kind of spring clean process for us, anyway, in terms of looking at some some of the costs which perhaps we shouldn't have been keeping in there anyway. Um, and we went through that, and we actually reduced our non-headcount cost by 47%, which was which was quite remarkable. Um, so. Um, just by renegotiating a lot of things, putting things on hold, etc. And quite a lot of our vendors were very understanding with that as well. Um, But the 47% drop didn't get us where we needed to be. So it became apparent at that point that we needed to do something with headcount, which was around about the same time that the Chancellor announced the furlough scheme. So there was a huge sigh of relief then in terms of, okay, we don't now need to go and make redundancies here, because that was our, our alternative at that point. So uh, the chancellor announced furlough, which was great. um, And we started, okay, we need to understand what this furlough process is. Um, It's a very new piece of employment law. Um, No one's ever heard of it before. Lots of people are running around trying to look it up in a dictionary to work out how to spell furlough. Um, So we spent the next week investigating that and then running some models to say, how many people do we need to furlough in terms of um, making sure we get to that runway, um, and who who can we possibly um, who can we possibly run the business with that will keep the business running on a skeleton crew while we get through this crisis.
0: And, and um, I just want to go back a, a tad, um, and I guess my question is: when you, you were sitting there and you're running the numbers, and you you kind of landed on the. 80% and then 50% numbers in terms of revenue drop. How did you personally feel looking at that, that in a spreadsheet? Was it kind of a sinking feeling like, oh, this is, this is going to be really tough or this is going to be really dif- difficult? Or were you able just to be very logical, very clinical and like keep the emotions separated?
1: Uh, I, think, I think the latter.
0: Um,
1: particularly, I think we've got a very... A very Good management team in Just Park. Uh, We support each other quite well. So, at the the point where we saw the revenues dropping, and you could look at it and say, this this is a complete disaster, what's going to happen to the organization? How are we going to come out of the other side of this? I think what's nice about the culture that we have in the organization is we're very supportive and very collaborative. So, rather than anybody looking at this in terms of it's a disaster and how do we mitigate it, it's OK, this is a chance for us to come out the other side even stronger. So we know that we've got some tough decisions to make, we're going to make them together. Our primary driver here is to not to lose any headcount, not to make any redundancies. Um, thank, thank God that the chancellor's has come up with this, this furlough scheme so we don't have to do that. Um, but this, this, is, this, is an, this is an opportunity for us to review the way that we work um, and actually to fix some of the debt we have in the organisation. So. Like a lot of organizations that have been around for a while, we have some processes that don't really work. We have some systems that we need to optimize and we have some debt to fix within the business. And actually having um, 80% fewer customers, having 80% fewer transactions, is an opportunity for us to focus that over the next few months and to say, okay, we, have, we haven't got so many customers to deal with. We can now really focus on these projects, drive down that debt, so that when we come out of the next few months, we're strong, we're absolutely stronger than we were before. We can unfurl everybody and we give ourselves a head start in in climbing back up that revenue ladder. So it, we were very positive for, through the whole thing um, and seeing it more as an opportunity.
0: You know, what, what do you put down? Because it's amazing that you did see it as an opportunity, but I guess there are probably um, lots of small business owners out there who, you know... This has been a this has been a tough month. We know what are the what are the attributes that you think that you have, or the attributes of your leadership team, your management team, that have allowed you to create the mindset and the behaviours to see this as an opportunity rather than um, a really challenging and difficult time. That's
1: a great question. I think I think one of the biggest things in there is teamwork. So um, being Uh, being there for each other and supporting each other, knowing that we're working towards one goal. I also think having a culture of honesty and transparency is very important on there as well. So not just within the management team, but with everybody else in the organisation. Through the whole process of this, we're very transparent about what's happening, what's happening to all of our revenue. Um, We share the revenue figures on a daily basis with everybody in Slack. So everybody knows what's going on and everybody understands what's happening in the business and everybody uh, everybody also understands what the company strategy is, particularly for 2020. So everybody knows that it's an opportunity for us to fix the debt. So I think the fact that we are open and honest and transparent and inclusive and all those good things which you hear about all the time and you think, okay, as an organization, of course we should be doing those things. That's really paid off for us because it means that Everybody completely understands what the strategy is this year. They understand that we are being transparent about revenue and therefore when we've gone through this process of ultimately having to furlough people and ultimately having to make some pay cuts as well, people completely understand the decision-making process. They understand that this is an opportunity for us to repair some debt within the business. So I'd say it's, it's all to do with honesty and transparency and just being frank with people. Really treating people like adults.
0: Okay, and that and that and that's a brilliant segue into kind of looking at the nuts and bolts of how you kind of went through the furlough process. So you've looked at the business metrics. You know, you you were clearly kind of ahead of it in terms of you could see this coming. You've done the analysis. You know, you've got options. The Chancellor announces the furlough program, and you kind of see that and go, right, that's, that's the thing we're going to go for. How do you then, from deciding that, okay, we're going to furlough um, a, a, you know, a good chunk of our team, what's the kind of, what's the nuts and bolts of the process that you went through in terms of, you know, as, as we kind of opened the show with, right, you had to turn this around in three days. So how did you, how did you get it done in three days? Um,
1: again, I'll, I'll refer back to the previous question was, Um, How did you get, how did you arrive at the decision that you needed to furlough some people in your business? So I think that the starting point is there in terms of the planning, in terms of the numbers. And again, referring back to being honest with people. We shared all this. We shared all the information with them. We shared their decision, our decision making process with everybody. So it really started there in terms of the financial modelling, understanding the number of people we needed to furlough. and then also afterwards uh, uh, post furlough we have had to make uh, some pay cuts within the business as well so modelling all of that out was the start of that and then in terms of the process itself um, one, one thing uh, you know i mentioned earlier is this is all completely new employment law so the chancellor announced it with the best of intentions and said we you know to we'll make sure that we pay 80% of people's salary up to a cap etc cetera, etc cetera. And then there's this bunch of questions that comes out afterwards to say, okay, well, how does that affect people on variable pay? Or um, how does that affect people with holiday? How does that affect people going on bank holidays? All these different questions came out, which um, normally would be thought through in any kind of legislative process when you're making new employment law, but there was no time to do this. So the interesting thing was for for the week where, uh, after the Chancellor announced it, uh, we had a week where we had to absorb this and keep up to date every single day with how this legislation was evolving in real time. Um, and that was super interesting. Uh, you know, we've very rarely seen legislation being drafted and, and put through so quickly, uh, particularly in terms of HMRC issuing more and more guidance. So the, the, I guess the first the first point is we were constantly, almost on an hourly basis, checking the updates for how do we do this. Um, what does this mean? What's the best practice in terms of this? Um, so constantly keeping on top of um, recommendations that were coming out from the government. Um, and then um, the, the business decision around who it was that we were going to furlough. We made sure that we made that decision with the management team. Everybody was involved in that. Uh, and it really was a decision to say, who, who, can we, who do we need to keep in the business as a skeleton crew? Uh, particularly repairing some of the debt we have in the business and we've got the opportunity to do that and who can, who can the business survive without in the next few months so it comes to mind that maybe some people in the business development team um, may be less useful to us over the next few months than perhaps some people in the product and engineering teams so we went through it line by line and what we did uh, make sure that we highlighted to the department heads and also to the individuals when we consulted with them, which I'll come on to in a minute, was um, if this isn't a we didn't get everybody in the organization and rank them in terms of who we thought was good and who we thought was bad and then chop off the bottom section. It was absolutely not that. And also, you know, if we were to go through a redundancy process instead um, and lose people from the organization permanently, it would be a different list of people. This list was purely. Who can we do without for a couple of months while this thing blows over, and then after that we bring them back? And I think that's in, that's an important point to make: is um, we're not choosing people that we don't think have value at all. We think everybody in Just Park absolutely belongs to be there. That's that's why they they were there. That's why we've employed them. That's why they're part of our family. Um, this is just a case of, you know, if we have to, who can we do without in terms of running this with a skeleton crew? So. We went went through that and and had our our list on there. And then the next thing was preparing the communication about it. So we prepared very, very clear and very comprehensive communication in terms of an all-hands presentation. We asked everybody to come to that. And there we laid out what the impact of coronavirus is in the UK economy, how that particularly is impacting the parking sector, which is frankly disastrous. Um, and everybody understood that by, by that point anyway. Uh, we went through all of the uh, modelling that we had done in terms of what we think this means for the runway that we have, what we think this is going to mean in terms of um, raising raising capital in the future, and also um, the steps we've already taken in reducing non-headcount costs. Um, we went through and we we're very clear with the numbers for people, and also then clear with, we're in a position where we now need to save some extra money over the next six months and the last place we can look for this is in our headcount costs. And we presented the three options on the call. So the three options that we have in terms of reducing headcount costs are one, redundancies, two, furloughing people and benefiting from um, the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme, which we'd be foolish not to, and three would be temporary temporary salary cuts on there. And through the whole presentation, we emphasized that our main aim through going through this process was to save jobs. It was to not make anybody redundant. So we were left with options two and three, and they were the ones that we were going to progress with. So then we said we said to everybody, um, after this call, you'll receive an email, uh, and we'll inform everybody on, on a separate email, individual email, whether um, you've been chosen to be potentially furloughed or whether we'd like you to remain in the business over the next two months and then be subject to a temporary pay cut from there. And we were very clear about how we selected the people and, and communicated why with that. And then we went into a period of consultation with everybody, which we had to prepare for. So we actually went into collective consultation because we had more than 20 people that were affected by this. and there is some legislation that still applies when you're making changes in terms and conditions to a group of more than 20 people in the trade union labour relations consolidation act um, which says that you have to collectively consult with everybody and the problem is if you don't collectively consult you can be liable for a claim at employment tribunal for not consulting collectively on this and, and penalties for that are quite high but also in addition to that, collective consultation is actually quite useful. I know a lot of organizations, particularly small and medium businesses, that maybe have been through collective consultation, usually in terms of redundancy, find the whole process very painful. And when you mention collective consultation, you start to think about trade unions and, and disputes, etc. But actually, if it's done well, collective consultation can be really, really useful. And we found our collective consultation process to be super useful as well. Um, and then we also went into a process of individual consultation so the day after we had the all hands and everybody was informed about which category uh, they were in uh, the next day every single person that was affected by furlough had an individual consultation meeting with a member of the people team so that's quite a marathon day for the people team in terms of sitting and talking to everybody but it was, was such a useful investment in making sure people had the opportunity to ask questions um, and have their individual questions answered by uh, by the people team
0: so there's kind of five clear areas there there's kind of you know transparency in terms of what the numbers and decision making process look like there is um you know making sure you understand you understood the law as it was changing and adapting and and you know there is nuance around how it affects you know uh different aspects of employment law in different ways um, making sure that management were kind of involved in the decision-making process in terms of who's going to be furloughed and who's going to be kept on as part of that skeleton crew. When you did announce it, it was kind of clear communication with the organisation and very comprehensive details in terms of how we've gotten to this place and then kind of going through that consultation process as the last bit. You know, you mentioned that you used email immediately after the all-hands to... Uh, inform everyone which bucket they sat in did do you you know looking back on it now do you think that was the right thing to do do you think face to you know face-to-face obviously is not possible but you know face-to-face virtually a phone call that kind of thing would have been softer or do you think email allowed you to kind of inform everyone at the same time and it wasn't kind of trickling out
1: yeah that that that, that's a really good question um we we did we did ask ourselves that question a lot as well, to say, you know, the, the message is the message, but how we deliver the message is is just as important. And I think you just touched on it there. The The problem with having to communicate, we, we ended up furloughing 35 people. If we said in the next hour or two, you'll get a phone call about um, if you're being furloughed or if you're not, that's a lot of phone calls to make in a very short space of time. And people would have questions on those phone calls, but also people would be sitting there waiting for the for the phone to ring and and have a terrible time for the next two hours. Whereas by email, we we scheduled all the emails to send at a very specific time. So we said, I think it was half past three in the afternoon, something like that. We said at three thirty, all these emails are timed to go out. Um, so you'll, you'll 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 all hear one way or the other at three thirty. But we also said to people the next day you will have an individual conversation. So if you do have questions, then this is absolutely the time to ask them. Another thing we did actually was, um, for anybody that was furloughed, we had a separate Zoom meeting, a separate online meeting later on that day where we explained the furlough process in more detail. So we had the all hands, then people received an email, and then we had an additional group meeting where anybody that was furloughed but in fact anybody that wanted to come along to it could come along to it but it was designed to explain the furlough process in a bit more detail so people had the opportunity to ask questions there if they wanted to and the purpose of that was just to explain it in a bit more detail to people because again it's all very new and people probably don't understand what it means people were probably quite scared people didn't really understand so we wanted to go through at least what we knew about the furlough process at that point and also that meant that people would have been coming into the individual consultation meetings the next day with fewer questions. And hopefully we would have answered a lot of questions people had all in one go in that meeting. And, and people had the opportunity for Q&A in that meeting as well. And then people also had the opportunity to go away in the evening and do some research, um, look at what it means on Google, et cetera, and then come into the meetings the next day with any questions that, that, that they had as well.
0: Yeah, nice. Uh, what do you think the kind of effect on the team was, and I guess you know the 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 subject of this podcast is is culture operations. And you know when we talk about culture operations, we're talking about how do you how do you take culture from being something that's kind of very fluffy in this nebulous term and make it actually something that we can impact, we can change, we can move around. You know you've been through a, a very clear process right now, which will have affected your culture you know it might be too early to say what you think the impact's been but what's been the response from the team i've been really impressed actually
1: with the response from the team everybody has approached this in a very uh, very mature way they understand what's happening if they've got questions they've asked very clear questions on that and i think um i think the impact on culture to a certain extent is at what i would say um and this You know this is this is something I firmly believe in even if you're going through an exit process with somebody or a redundancy process the 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 way in which you treat people that are leaving the business is just as important as the way in which you treat people that are still in the business and I think that applies to people going on furlough as well so the way in which we treated people that we were furloughing and the way in which we're continuing to treat people that, that are on furloughed leave in terms of giving them the time explaining things Doing it in a, in a professional way where we're not just rushing it through and treating people like human beings and treating them like adults. Because at the end of the day, uh, most of these people, we're friends with each other. You know, we have very close relationships. Um, I think that's important. And when people come back from furloughed leave, they will see that we've approached this in a way where we have taken people's feelings into account. We have taken the time to do this and explain things. So hopefully, when they come back into the business, they'll have just as strong a stronger bond with Just Park uh, as they did before. So it's right that, um, in my, my perspective, it's right that organisations, if they're going to go through a furlough process, absolutely take the time to do it, and do it properly, because they're employees and they're going to come back. And when they come back, you want them fully motivated and engaged. And if you, if you go through a substandard process with them, that's going to be detrimental uh, to culture, I think
0: yeah i definitely agree you know i think i've I've definitely had a few conversations with people about you know we will be judged to some degree as leaders on how we navigated the scenario both in terms of the current teams that we have but also you know future people we want to we want to attract right like i think it will be a question that we're asked Uh, in interviews you know what did the business do how did they how how did they go through what was a difficult time and when things were when their values were questioned and really put under pressure did did good things come out of it or or actually did it reveal that maybe those values weren't that ingrained those behaviors that weren't that ingrained and actually the culture was a little bit weak.
1: That, you're absolutely right, you're absolutely right, so we, we've, we've got values, most organisations have values and some organisations, their values are things that they put on the wall and things that they put on their website, do, are they really embedded in the organisation? And you're absolutely right when you say it's at times of challenge and times of stress, do those values just fall to pieces and people revert to type and people revert to bad behaviours? And I'd like to think in the process we went through, we really did stick with our values. Uh, one of our values is be human. And I think we did treat everybody absolutely in, in the way that they should have been treated through this. And you're right, it will, it will impact culture, but it will also impact Glassdoor scores. It will, it, will, it will impact all sorts of things in the future. So there's a commercial reason for doing it properly as well. On top of the, on top of the, the cultural, this is just the right thing to do reason for doing it properly absolutely
0: yeah absolutely uh, what's um before we kind of wrap up what's you know i think and i think it's an important question to to ask which is you know how have you found it what's been the effect on on you you know this is not a clearly you've navigated it with poise and focus and deliberateness and a lot of empathy which is really nice to hear but it's still not an easy thing to do so how have you felt, you know, navigating it?
1: Um, I, I guess I've ended up just working a lot of hours um, to, to, to make sure this is right. Um, it, it did feel like we were under a lot of time pressure to get this done. The longer that we were leaving it, the less time we had to benefit from the job retention scheme, and um, the more money we were burning through. So there was a balance of we need to get it done as quickly as we can with we need to get it done in a way that is still professional and that we've had time to go through it all. Um, So I I was more concerned about members of my team. So the other people in the people team have never been through a process like this. So it was important that as much as possible, I could coach them through uh, how to do an individual consultation, how to do a collective consultation. Um, So uh, it can also be a learning experience for them. and although there was lots of late nights and lots of working, lots of hours to get this ready, uh, that that was that was super important for me. Um, as I said earlier, the the subject matter of this is dealing with people's lives. So if it if it meant a couple of weeks doing very long hours and not sleeping very much and not having weekends, then that that that's what happens. Uh, that's what happens when a business uh, is in a mode like this. And also, I think. Just as a side, the, the entire concept of weekends at the moment seems to have disappeared anyway. So like weekdays and weekends. I looked at, I looked at my calendar this week and saw that it was Good Friday and I look, looked at the Friday for about five minutes looking at it going, I have no idea what that means. Just, I, I just, it just doesn't make any... I don't know what to do. Do I buy myself an egg? I don't know. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's been hard work, but it's been super important. But... Um, the people team the leadership team within the organization have used this to demonstrate that we treat people properly and that we really mean it when it comes to um, maintaining our culture and building our culture in the organization but there's another thing as well in terms of um, it's, it's not just a process where we went through that process and that's it the people are furloughed um, they're still employees with us and we still have thirty five people that have been furloughed and we want to make sure that they are still part of the team and we're still trying to keep them included. So we every Thursday at 4 o'clock, for instance, we celebrate birthdays where everybody gets together and we sing happy birthday. So now we're all working from home, we're doing that on Zoom, which sounds horrible, actually, when, when, you, hear, when you hear 110 people singing happy birthday on Zoom. But we're really encouraging people that are on furloughed leave to carry on attending events like that. Uh, we're making sure that we have a briefing email going out for them every week in terms of what are the updates from the organization, keeping people involved and keeping people feel like they're still part of the organization because they absolutely are. You know, we haven't switched off their Slack accounts or their Gmail accounts. We've briefed all the line managers that are still in the organization. These are the kind of questions you should be asking when you keep in touch with people on furloughed leave just to make sure they're okay. And we still have a duty of care to them to make sure they're okay. Uh, particularly around mental health if if, you know if, if people are stuck at home so we're we're being very careful about making sure people are still informed and feel like they're part of the business so again when they come back they they hit the ground running and they still feel part of what's going on as well
0: yeah that's great and so finally um i just want to kind of speak to the person sitting there listening to this podcast who you know, maybe the downturn has affected them at a slower rate, but they are now seeing that, you know, furlough and and some of the difficult decisions that surround it might be something that they need to do. What are the kind of three pieces of advice that you would give to them?
1: Um,
0: Go through a very robust planning phase.
1: Make sure you've got all of your information, not just in terms of getting ready to communicate it but so that you have made the right decision think think about which costs you can cut in the business before you get to cutting people costs so the first thing is, is planning it, planning it really well um, uh, I think the second one would be about communicating and making sure people understand and understand what's going on and the third thing which is probably related to the second one is the consultation process, um, making sure you have a really good consultation process where you listen to people's concerns, you listen to their suggestions as well. Um, One of the things that came out of our collective consultation process, there was a suggestion that we hadn't thought of, um, which was uh, the 80% furlough may take some people beneath the London living wage. And if that was the case, as an organisation, can you top up the difference between between the 80% and what the London living wage was? And we hadn't even thought of that. Uh, so we went away and ran the numbers and it affected a handful of people. So of course, of course, we do that. that's a really good idea. Thank you very much. So having that open dialogue um, with employees through the consultation process actually comes out with some ideas that, 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 that could be beneficial for the business as well. Um, so, yeah, th- those are the three things I think are really, really important
0: that's great so robust plan communicate it clearly and make sure you follow a really really solid consultation process and with that uh i'm going to bring a close uh, to today's episode i want to say a really big thank you to lewis uh, for coming on and specifically for being so open and honest about the process that you've been through at just park i know that that's going to help um, other businesses navigate this situation with more clarity and much more conviction so thank you lewis no problem. Thanks very much. And uh, I've got to thank Mel uh, behind our virtual glass and uh, our producer for keeping us on the road and making sure that we put content out every single week. To all of you listening along at home, uh, thanks for staying with us. We hope that we're bringing you um, some useful advice at this difficult time. If there is an issue you'd like us to discuss, drop us a line. We're at JoinCharlie on Twitter. I'm at Gately. Look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Gailey, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast.